0: All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Always Be Boat CruiseCast show coming to you not quite live from somewhere in either North or South Carolina. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to find, download and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. Yes, the intro was a little different that time. You may have noticed, yeah, I'm on a train. I'm on Amtrak southbound. You know what I'm saying? I said it in the um, Snapchat before. It's got to be southbound or it's got to be westbound if you're a country music fan. There's no such thing as a country music uh, song with a train that's going either north or east. Always got to be south or west. Everybody knows that. That's just a rule. Um, I do apologize if the audio is a little wacky this time around. Uh, Doing my best with that, but there is some background noise that I know you're aware of because I am moving it at about probably 120 miles per hour down the East Coast. So, I it is Monday. I am a little bit late. Yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Let's get into that in a second. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. And by the way, if you do, I know I start these shows off a lot of times by talking about some other things that aren't cruising related. Uh, you know, feel free to skip ahead if you're not interested in, uh, you know, me just rambling about mundane details of my life uh if you are interested feel free to listen but i do uh i do want to make sure that you know if you're coming here straight for the crew stuff you can get right to it uh maybe i'll mix it in a little bit later and i gotta give you the goods first right i can't just go on i'll probably lose a lot of people if i just start rambling on about personal details and take you know a good 12 to 13 minutes to get into the good crew stuff in the beginning as i do just that right now so um we do have some of the other stuff that we normally want to start with at the beginning. Uh, Instagram, pre- please follow me on Instagram. It is always be booked or abb cruising. Either of those searches will get you right to my Instagram page, where we do a lot of memes. We do some videos that involve top five this, top five that. Whether it's cruise ports, whether it's best ships, whether it's anything, we just kind of put some top five stuff in there using some. Uh, technology apps that you know we're learning as we go with. Uh, iTunes, that's the big one. If you're hearing this show, uh, please, uh, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, rate it, review it, comment, share. Share is the biggest thing now. Pretty good with the reviews, guys. I appreciate it. We've done well. Some of them uh, were because we wanted some free cruises, but many of them now are organic, and I'm appreciating that very much. We also have to let you know about Ripdism.com. The Ripdism.com fitness program by Stu and Jeff is a 60-day three-tier full-body workout designed to get you in and out of the gym in around 35 minutes. You got a cardio and muscular endurance tier. You got a strength and muscle building tier. And you got a shred and carve tier. They break it down into three. You got two fitness pros. They got a proven track record. They've done this stuff for years. We're talking about a combined level of experience of over 40 years. And, of course, you got to know they've tried it all. They've experimented. They've took the coursework. They've seen the P90X. They've seen everything that's out there. And they identified what holes are in. Are, are What holes are exist in every exercise program that they've seen and every time they've done one they've basically put, you know, what would we add to that? What would we take away from that? And they've used all that research to create what they believe and what I believe is the absolute perfect perfect video workout program if you want to get absolutely ripped in sixty days for just twenty nine ninety nine. Now remember this is hard as hell. It's a very, very difficult, difficult uh, workout workout program. However, uh, that's the idea, guys. You don't want to p- uh, plateau. The word plateau is an awful word. And if it's a workout that you can do, on day one, what's going to happen is by day four, five, six, week two, you're going to have plateaued. It's not going to be bad. It'll be better than average. You know what? You're still getting the blood going. You're still sweating. You're still working out, but you will plateau. And this is designed to have you not plateau to be able to work up. And you'll see these guys. They're not pretentious douchebags while they're doing their program. Come on, let's go. Rock it. No, they're telling you if you need a break, take a break. If you got to lighten up, weight. Lighten up weight. If you have to modify the movement, modify the movement. There is always an answer because what it's designed to do is have you work up to where it's supposed to get. Uh, Equipment. If you have a couple of dumbbells, maybe around, I don't know, if you're just starting out, 20-pounders, 15-pounders. Maybe work up to 30-pounders if you're more experienced. And if you do have a pull-up bar, one of those ones that goes in in your doorway, that would be helpful. If you don't, again... They have modifications around that to where you don't 100% need it. Uh, stop spending two hours in the gym That's what I'm guilty of I walk around the gym like I'm still like powerlifting Or trying out for the uh, football team in high school uh, These guys want you to under- they, they understand that you don't have all day To walk around in the gym anymore We're busy, we gotta move, we gotta do stuff at work And what these guys wanna do is get you in and out of the gym In 35 minutes And when I was doing Riptism, man I just loved it I love to hear at the end of the workout Cool down Two more minutes And the rest of the day is yours. And like I said, that feeling where you're just amped up. You got those endorphins going off a workout where you just know you kicked your own ass. And you got the rest of the day to just go about your business and feel good. Um, Get shredded from two guys who are not pretentious. Encourage you to work at your own pace. And optimize your chances to get ripped in just 60 days for only $29.99. Rippedism.com All right, let's get into some stuff here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Okay, so yes, the Super Bowl, you guys saw that? I'm a 49er fan, long term. You guys have heard me say that. I haven't watched football a year. We've talked about that. But you're not going to not watch the Super Bowl. I went up to New York. I had the birthday, which was the fourth. The Super Bowl was the fifth. So I figured, why not do a quick little sneak up to New York? And yes, like a lot of you people on these cruises, not all of you, but a lot of you, yeah, not so into flying. I tell you, the last time I flied I'm not going to bore you with that story now, but at some point I will. It actually is a pretty funny story, so we'll get into that some other time. But I did want to get up, catch the, uh, you know, catch the family for the birthday, uh, and then you know, be with the friends and uh, you know the Super Bowl. It was a beautiful day, man. Seriously, uh, went to my friend John's house, you know. A uh, bunch of them came over—the wives, the kids. You know, it, it was great to be around for the day. We played football with the kids in the backyard for a while. Had some really good food, watched the game, and man, can you ask for a better game? NFL needed that bad. It's no secret how down the ratings are this year. It's no secret how much the NFL was struggling as opposed to years past. It would seem to be an unbeatable, unbreakable product. Uh, it seemed like the NFL was, you know, finding a way to. Break its own product uh, just by some of, some of it uh, some of it stuff that they had no control over, but some of the stuff they just botched and could have handled a lot better. Probably starting with the Tom Brady situation from uh, by suspending him for four days. I do think he deflated the footballs. I don't think it was a capital offense where you had to get rid of him for four games. Having said that, this guy, man, I'm a 49er fan and I'm a Joe Montana guy. And there's something to be said. There is an argument to be made for Montana to be the greatest of all time. Four Super Bowls, no interceptions, no losses. To Tom Brady's five Super Bowls, two losses, and a little bit of a spotty performance here and there. But I'm going to give the nod to Brady only because, you know... Uh, He's, he's, uh, while the, the the level of perfection isn't there, man, this guy's a warrior, a battler. He's done it across multiple errors with multiple teams. And you just don't have the household names as a supporting cast on the Patriots through the, through the years that Montana did. Montana had your Rices. You had your Roger Craig. You had your Brent Jones. You had an all-star line. You had those all-star fullbacks, uh, whether it's Rathman, whether it's whoever else. Um, You know, John Taylor, you had some real beasts on the 49er offensive side of the ball. And then you had some great... You had those defenses, too. You had, uh, you know, um, Ronnie Lott. You had Michael Carter. You had Keenan Turner. You had all these guys that were just... You know, you had Hall of Famers on the 49ers. The Brady just seemed to have done a lot more with a lot less. So... Congratulations to the Patriots. Congratulations to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And as a New Yorker and as a 49er fan, you know that those words are not easy to come out of my mouth. Nevertheless, we are going to say it anyway. Uh let's just make sure I'm still recording here because like I said, on the train and uh <laughs> it's pumping around pretty pretty decently and I don't want any plugs to fall out or whatever, but All right, what we're going to do right now is get into the cast. Let's get it on. So we'll start out with a little bit of cruise news first. Uh, News, whatever you want to call it. Just interesting stuff that might be happening in the cruising industry right now. Uh, We're going to start with Acapulco. Guys remember Acapulco, right? I mean people still go there, it's still a beautiful location, but man a- Acapulco it was hot way way back. You used to hear it on I used to hear them talk about it on I Love Lucy at all those shows and everything. Um what they're trying to do is make a triumphant return to the cruise industry. This season will have twenty-eight calls and thirty-one thousand passengers. That is up from seventeen calls and 17,235 passengers last year. Next year, what they're shooting for is 37 calls and 4,500 passengers. So that's a pretty significant bump up from, uh, you know, it's a little bit out of the rhythm of what they've been increasing by but again it just seems like mexico as a whole has uh you know it had its heyday it was out of control people loved it um and then i guess because of i guess political tension i don't want to call it political tension i'll just call it you know drug related tension that uh it just seemed to be a little bit a little bit more dangerous a little dicey uh in mexico and they're really really in a situation where they're trying to rebuild um Reason for the turnarounds, or, or at least uh, so far the gains that they've had, and the reason that they're optimistic about, you know, the the, the major jump that they're gonna exp- anticipate this year, is some good old-fashioned PR work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Secretary of Tourism, the Mayor of Acapulco, and the Acapulco Cruise Committee, they've really kind of worked together back their ears and really tried to go after this just good old general talent and problem solving and it's paid off as Holland America they've agreed to two uh four new calls in uh Me- Mexico's original beach destination which is Acapulco um I-, I just remember hearing about Acapulco all the time long before Cancun long before Puerto Vallada long before Cabo it was always Acapulco and it was a little bit more of like uh I don't know. It was almost like in the Cuban days. It was either Cuba or Acapulco back in the day. But, uh, you know, they had a lot of stuff that they're known for. Part of the slowdown, like I said, there was a lot of unrest. Um, Again, it affected the whole entire cruise market. And for now, it seems to have leveled off. I'm hoping a lot of this Trump stuff, again, I'm not talking politically at all. Well, I'm just making a statement. I'm just saying I hope a lot of the stuff that's happening politically between the ties between us and Mexico do not negatively impact because it seems like there were some great, great strides that were made. And it would be shame to, um, you know, to, to, to take a step back because of that. Not that the political world or the uh, uh, t- ties between nations or uh how nations uh, get along with each other should be dictated based on how cruise friendly we will be it's pretty trivial but again we're all asking for the same thing good relations with our with our brothers and sisters down in mexico and uh that will lead to nothing but uh you know improved improved cruise market and overall economic uh economic uh, an economic situation down there um the Center for Assistance and Tourism Program uh, meets with the cruise committee days before each call. So anytime a ship is coming in, uh, they they get together and they try to figure out you know security measures and preventative me- measures to keep the passengers safe. Since they started doing these meetings uh, in around 2014, there seems to have been no issues whatsoever with passengers, at least from a security standpoint. Uh, there's been no crime, no you know murder, more kidnapping, no whatever. Com- Colombian necklaces, whatever they're doing over these drugs. Since they really started to take a real serious approach uh, and a real, uh, you know, just serious, serious dedication, they've, 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 they really made it a point to be secure since 2014. They've made great strides, and they have a perfect track record since then. Uh, the committee, what they're doing is citing two separate approaches that have been working and will continue to work. Uh, I guess synergistically, like one works off the other is the main reason for the steady improvement. Uh, So first, what they talk about is the tactical way. What they try to do is make sure the port is secure and the police and other security personnel are well represented. So a good presence, a good show of force down there, you know, not an intimidating force to where the guests would be. Uh, a little apprehensive of coming back but still just letting them know that letting whoever wants to do harm to anybody know that there is a presence here and you will be punished. The committee also worked closely with the mayor to get a local orchestra to play at the pier as passengers uh, debarked the ship. So yeah, you gotta you gotta separate yourself in the bomb in the bar industry, uh, as you guys know. Uh, why they're gonna come to your bar versus another bar? Something as stupid as you know having having a little bit of a band play. It 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 can it can it can help. You just get a good feeling. A lot of times, I tell my staff all the time. You don't know why you're going back to a place. You don't know why you're choosing not to go back to a place. You don't have to say like, okay, we didn't do this. So is that really going to be the reason they don't come back here ever again? Because I didn't say thank you? No, but because you didn't say thank you, they may just have a general less than good vibe about the place. And they may just not come back. It's because you didn't say thank you, but it may not be on a conscious level to them. same thing if you do something good or positive they may be drawn back to your place they may be drawn back to your port if they get off the ship and there's a very very friendly welcoming band there everybody feels safe are they going to come back and say man that band was great and look how safe we were no but they had a good vibe when they got off the ship and whether they know it or not on a conscious level that's going to contribute to the fact that why they may come back Again, also, local government officials set up a welcome ceremony and a reception for the captain and key crew members. So, again, totally, totally nightclub-style stuff. A VIP. You make them feel special. That's what they're doing. They also installed a uh, permanent permanent hospitality information uh, center at the pier. Uh, then they got strategic. This was the second part of what they wanted to do was a little bit more surgical. This is where the committee reaches out directly to the cruise line in efforts to streamline any specific needs A particular cruise line might have. Uh, So currently they're in talks with Norwegian. They're trying to reach an agreement with them, uh, and the committee is working hard to find out what specific things Norwegian and their guests are looking for, and they're going to try to customize. So if Carnival is all about the fun, yeah, maybe some, you know, uh, you know, dancing, you know, guys and girls, maybe a little bit of a high-energy band. If you're going with, um, if it's Seabourn or an ultra-lux cruise, maybe the. So basically, they're just trying to tailor-make the. Boarding and debarking experience is much to the flow of what that particular cruise line is looking for. Just trying to get, again, the word is strategic. See, Acapulco is the old school spot for tourists who want to go to Mexico. What they're trying to do is build on that history. They want to keep a great deal of the attractions that made it famous in the past, but they want to update them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Through marketing. In an experience standpoint, they want to work its way back into being able to battle the big boys again. You know, you got Combo, you got Cozumel, you got Cancun, you got Puerto Vallarta. There's probably some other ones, you West Coast people out there probably can name them. Uh, I'm not uh, dialed in completely to the West Coast and Mexico market, but um, Acapulco, welcome back. They're in the mix, and they're uh, trying to make some noise, ladies and gentlemen. All right, moving on. Uh, while we're staying in Mexico and while we're on the West Coast, Porto Vallata. Is that, did I say that right? Porto Vallarta. Yeah, right? That's it. It's easy. I got that one, right? Um, they're forecasting 134 calls and over 3,000, uh, I'm sorry, 340,000 passengers this year uh, versus actually they had more calls, which is 143 in 2016. However, they had more passengers, 336,000. Um these are numbers that are creeping back up but overall down. To give you an idea of where they were at, in two thousand eight the port had almost six hundred thousand passengers. But as said before, there's a lot of been a lot of unrest, there's been a lot of uh lack of trust in, you know, how safe it is to go to that portion of Mexico or that region, and it was a huge decline. By the end of 2018, there will be many improvements to the port. What they're trying to do is uh, set up a, a, a beautiful kind of river waterfront area. And what they're going to put there is a state-of-the-art guest service as concierge. They're going to build the largest, what's supposed to be at this point, the largest aquarium in Central America. And then they're going to put a hacienda uh, and in there. I'm not 100% um, familiar with that concept, but it's a bar, restaurant tequilaria i mean we know what a tequilaria is right i don't need to i don't need to have that i've not just because i've never seen the word before it doesn't mean that i don't have to have what a tequilaria is explained to me um the facility will be state-of-the-art i'll also be geared towards entertaining the 900,000 non-cruise people who visit the city so they're going to build this thing out and they're going to make it come one come all there's going to be cruises there there's going to be those other people those those people we don't even like to talk about, the non-cruisers, they're going to be there as well. Cruise lines that frequent uh, frequently call in Puerto Vallada are Carnival, Norwegian, Holland America, and Princess, and a little bit of Oceana mixed in there, so not so much. These cruise lines have been very, very complimentary of the port. Uh, they're based on our guest comments, surveys, and uh, the port of Puerto Vallada has gotten many awards for superior guest satisfaction uh, from these cruise lines, so looks like Overall, with the port, everybody's happy, and it looks like they're about to get a lot more happy uh, when we talk about building out this uh, brand-new waterfront uh, facility that's going to be welcoming tourists, uh, land-based tourists and cruise tourists alike. Currently, right now, the most frequent shipped call there is the Carnival Miracle. Boom! My first ship ever. Made its way down there. I have sentimental tires to that. That was the first time I saw a uh, chapel on board. It was my first cruise, so obviously it was the first time I saw. But ever since all the other cruise ships I've been on since then, none of them had a uh, a wedding chapel there. So wasn't really getting used too much, but, I mean, that's just asking for trouble. I'm trying to turn a cruise ship into Vegas. What, are you going to have little Elvis's work in the chapel? It's funny. But, uh, yeah, they did have the chapel. Very nice, beautiful chapel. The miracle is a beautiful, beautiful ship. You could tell how much thought went into that. Uh, It was kind of cool. I was kind of spoiled from a a beauty standpoint and an originality standpoint for have that being my first ship. Uh, It was all based on the theme was fictional characters, just fictional characters. All around the ship, and uh, you know, from the comedy club, the Punchliner was decked out like a Alice in Wonderland uh, theme. Uh, the steakhouse was called Nick and Nora's. I even forgot what that was, but just just fictional characters or superheroes all throughout the ship, but done in a really non-cheesy way. It was really really cool. I enjoyed the Miracle a lot. Um, however, next year the Miracle will be replaced by the splendor that's right what we're gonna do now moment of silence It's not really silent, as you heard that train go by. But the Splendor is going to be replacing the Miracle there. Uh, what does that mean? That means that they know that there's going to be more of a demand. Ironically enough, I was so attached to the Miracle from going on it a couple of times early, I was pissed off that the Splendor was actually replacing it in New York City. And once I got on the Splendor, I fell in love with that ship. So I guess I'm a ship whore. I don't know. What's my favorite cruise? My, the last one I went on, probably. But I do love the Splendor. I love the, I have the pool. You heard me say it, nauseam. I love the disco. I love the hidden comfort food buffet on the second floor of the Lido deck. I love the food options. I don't give a crap that it's not a 2.0. I love the cover. I love the, um, you know, when they pull, they can kind of create an into. they turn the Lido deck into something that's really intimate when they pull that uh, retractable roof over. I just love, I've grown to love the Carnival Splendor, and it's absolutely my favorite ship as of now. Um, but. It's interesting. Is that like a pattern? Because uh, do, they, do they bring the miracle in and then when they're going to pull the miracle out, they're going to put the splendor in after that? Because that's the second time, I don't know, that the splendor has followed the miracle uh, after the miracle leaves. So what they're saying right there, the miracle holds 2,100 people. The Splendor holds 3,000 people. So, I mean, it's pretty ambitious. They must know that the demand is going to be there in Puerto Vallarta. And, uh, you know, I guess that's going to be one of the final, final runs for the Carnival Splendor because we all know, hence the moment of silence, where it is going to end up. It's going to go in and get redone. And it's going to be sent over to Australia. And it's not even going to be a Carnival ship anymore. It's going to be a PO and o ship. I don't know if they named it yet, but... Uh, damn, we're gonna miss it. That's a 40% increase, by the way. Uh, again, like I said, hopefully the demand is there. I th- assume they know what they're doing, so uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna work out. You guys hear of Global Eagle Entertainment? Do you guys know what that is at all? it's pretty interesting you know you go on cruise ships and you see the TVs uh, you, you always notice that it's a little wacky it's not like the ones you have at home it's not like you know Miami it's not, typically not Miami news or Chicago or New York news or LA it's usually some local Caribbean TV affiliate f- affiliate that brings you this sp- uh, news, sports and weather you usually hear like results from soccer games in Curacao or or Venezuela or wherever and uh, or or baseball games and the Dominican Republic and these is, this is what you hear and you look this is what the local stuff is um, and then you want to watch a game sometimes they have the game you want sometimes they don't Global Eagle Entertainment is. I guess a third party that able enables cruise lines to broadcast large events. I remember one of the first cruises I went on, they had an Oscar party, a deck party, but it had the Oscars. I guess it's not as easy as just turning on Channel 7 or Channel 2 and having the Oscars play. You have to get the rights. There's uh, uh, a few things uh, outside... Issues that, that come into play when you want to broadcast these things, and Global Eagle Entertainment is that third party that signs, uh, signs, uh, crosses all the T's and dots all the I's so they can smooth it out over so that a cruise line can legally show these things. This past year, they broke some records. Uh, seems like cruises are getting younger and younger, and for the demand of relevant TV, it's going up. And whether it's award shows, sporting goods, any event in general, Global Eagle Entertainment is who the cruise lines will call to make sure that they secure the rights to you know, broadcast that content. In 2016, Global Eagle Entertainment broadcasted 700 events and 2,627 hours of live televised sports entertainment and specials. Um, What it is is uh, available on 27 cruise lines and more than 135 ships. In addition to major TV events, what Global Eagle Entertainment also does, they just kind of started this. What they want to do is help cruise lines produce and broadcast their own content, such as inaugural. So if the Vista is going to come out and they're going to crack the champagne over the bow and they're going to inaugural, they're going to give it naming or it's going to christen it, whatever you call it, Uh, they want to be able to broadcast that in Hawaii on whatever ship, you know, or somewhere on the West Coast, whatever one of those fantasy class ships are, they want to be able to broadcast, you know, the christening of the uh, Vista so all you people on the fantasy class ships can uh, be jealous that you're sitting on the ship from the uh, that still looks like the love boat and there's this freaking Vista out there right now getting christened. christened. But that might be a, a good thing to do anyway because, you know, it's a selling point. If you're sitting on the, you know, carnival fantasy and you see the Vista rolled out on your TV, uh, although it's probably not even going to look that impressive. Those TVs are like 6 by 8 inches big. But why, am, why do I have to do that, guys? I don't know why I have to crap <laughs> on, on the ecstasy class all the time. But my point is, I'm sorry, my point is, is that, you know, it's a good selling point. You know, you're on the ship, and if it's your first-time cruiser, and you're having a great time on the ecstasy, and then they roll out this big beast of a ship, you know, While you're on board, they probably give you a good deal of booking on board, half off deposit, some onboard credit, boom, you're booked on the Vista. So um, Global Eagle Entertainment will help you with that. In the years to come, they plan on using technology and their satellites to continue to make the cruise experience better through providing guests with the content that they're desiring. we did an episode some weeks back on Cuba, you guys remember. I tried to get as detailed as possible on Cuba. Hopefully, you guys took a lot from that. Um, as we know, this brand new, and it's the, the market's still volatile. To be honest, I don't know. To me, it feels like we went from white hot with Cuba. It was more almost about the anticipation. Everybody's like, oh, we're going to get to Cuba. Which cruise line is the first line that's going to go to uh, Cuba? Which is the second? Which is the third? Now, it's like you have to have, you know... You got to be able to get into Cuba. Like, everybody has a ship that's on its way to Cuba. Uh, the first one to actually pull it off was the Fathom. And granted, that was a charity mission or, or, or a relief mission. So, you know, they were putting people to work, but it didn't work out. For whatever reason, Carnival decided they were going to shut it down. But all these other cruise lines are going to Cuba. And I feel like, as hot as it was in the beginning, Not too many people. I feel like within like two weeks, it wasn't like on fire anymore. People were still wanting to go. I'm sure the Cuba market is millions of people are booking it. But it just didn't have the same kind of, you know, holy shit, let's get to Cuba. You know, it didn't have the same vibe as it did before they started going to Cuba. I don't know. Why do you think? I think maybe because first and foremost, you know, you get to Cuba and it's not, uh, you know, it's not... uh, There's still some restrictions. You know what I mean? You have to kind of be going there to get to know the country, to get to know the island, to get to know its people, to uh, almost sign off on the fact that and give a personal guarantee that you're going there to learn something about the culture. That may be a little bit of a downer for some people. Not me. I would love to do that. I'd gladly sign off on whatever you want. Uh, If I can get a cultural experience out of it and learn some stuff while I'm there, great. The other thing is, it's Cuba guys, it's a communist country and uh, it has been living without the modern amenities that we've all become used to for a very long time and say whatever you want. We are cruisers guys in general and I'm not talking me, I'm not talking you in particular but we, we're cruisers so we're a cult, we're a family and we want our senior frogs. We want our margaritaville and there's just no denying that and you're just not going to find that stuff there. Um, That's it. But the good news is Royal Caribbean has just designated the Empress of the Seas, which is already uh, slated to do some uh, Cuban itineraries. They're adding Cuban sailings. So if you're just going to test out the market and feel out the direction things are going, that's good news. Look it up if you want to see when. But they added more four- and five-night sailings to Cuba with a few overnights in Havana. Uh, They're kind of matching them up with a few different itineraries, uh, mostly with Cuba. Uh, mostly Cuba with Key West and Cozumel. It's interesting because Cuba, you take out Cuba and you would normally put in Grand Cayman, uh, it'd be interesting to see if the Cuban, uh, you know, the opening up of Cuba, will affect Grand Cayman at all, or even uh, Ocho Rios, Jamaica. It's about it guys that's the news uh, pretty much what i wanted to do in this particular podcast was get into a little bit of a port profile and i wanted to feature Ocho rios jamaica we haven't dove into a port in a long time and what i wanted to do was really kind of make sure that we start building up that catalog like i said the whole purpose of that is to make sure that after a while we got a good 75 to 80 percent of the caribbean and maybe even move on from there covered so that you can use it as a reference and when you know you know what you're going to Grand Cayman you know that Tommy did an episode on Grand Cayman at one point and no matter what if you're listening to maybe you even heard it before but you didn't pay attention because you're not going to Grand Cayman but now you are so now you can go back and go into a little bit more detail and kind of write some stuff down make some stuff make some notes take something from the deep dive into these ports. And this week's port profile is Ocho Rios, Jamaica. Uh, And I got to tell you, man, I I heard some mixed reviews about it before I got on. Some people said it was great. To me, I don't know. It's Jamaica, though, right? I don't know about you guys, but when I was young, coming up, Jamaica, as far as whether it was movies, whether it was true, whether it was not, Jamaica was the Caribbean. Jamaica was... Uh, The Crown Jewel Island, if you were going to try to get into the Caribbean, it was always Jamaica. I don't know if that's still the case. I don't know what people think. I think more, I don't know, maybe the Virgin Islands, maybe, you know, who knows. But it was all about Jamaica. You heard the risks of being there and you don't stay on the resort. You know Kingston is, uh, and a lot of these places are just in ruins and just, I mean, just murderous murderous places that are very very dangerous and very volatile but you're still always new i always knew jamaica as where you want to go if you want to go to caribbean yeah you can go to the bahamas you can go to miami you can go. i know it's not the caribbean but you can go all these places you can go to puerto rico but if you want the real the real caribbean jamaica man that's where you want to go but um either way so ocho rios it's uh It means eight rivers, obviously. Uh, It's on the north side of the island, which is conveniently uh, placed if you're coming from the north. Um, Close to that area is a place called Columbus Park. That's where uh, Columbus, I guess, first hit land. I'm going to tell you something right now. If I had a dime... For every freaking island that supposedly was the, it's like when Bin Laden, you know what I mean? Like when we were after Bin Laden, but we couldn't get him and we were killing his right-hand man. And then it seemed like every other week we were killing somebody and that was the right-hand man. And how many right-hand men does this this guy, how many number, he can only have one number two, Right. But we seem to get like all nine or ten of the number twos that were out there. Uh, Christopher Columbus seems to have landed at every, every place I go. Turks and Caicos, wherever, you know, Puerto Rico, anywhere. Oh, this is where uh, Christopher Columbus actually really first hit land. And uh, I guess Jamaica has their version of that too. Uh, it started out as a fish- fishing village. It still is a fishing village. But it used to not really uh, rely on a lot of tourism. But now tourism is the main economical resource. Um Two of the more natural resources that come from the area are sugar and limestone. The port is also home to many, many cargo ships that load up and export uh, to the north. Also overseas as well. Uh, it's about The port of Ocho Rios is about an hour and 45 minutes uh, away from the nearest major airport, which is in Montego Bay. I would love to do a day trip to Montego Bay next time or Negril. I don't think you could do Negril because it's uh, a little too far, but... I always wanted to go to the grill because what's that name of that place? And you guys are gonna know it. You're gonna yell at me. I gotta remember that. Don't say it if you don't know what the hell it is. But that bar restaurant where you just cliff dive. Could you imagine trying to pull something like that off in the USA and and not have. Uh you'd need you'd need a team of lawyers on file so they just have this restaurant there and i forgot what it's called but you just do cliff diving there's like six different levels you can just jump off maybe a 10 footer and then you can go up to like i don't know 50 60 feet and just cliff dive and then they have a guy that works there that's like a professional cliff diver and you could watch him and he jumps from these obscene levels could you imagine just having like eight or nine red stripes drinking some jamaican rum doing about five or six shots Yeah, I could do the 55-footer, no problem. And then just belly flopping, concussion, broken skull, broken shoulder, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I don't know, man. But I definitely wanted to go and at least look at it. I'm sure I'd jump off of something after a couple. But um, I definitely would love to at some point get to Negril. Um, but I think you can get to Montego Bay. Like I said, an hour and 45 minutes. I'm sure there's some sort of an excursion. That's the type of thing you got to watch, though. If you're going to go to Ocho Rios and you're going to be ambitious and say, I'm going to go to Montego Bay, you better have your ducks in a row. One flat, You are one flat tire away from being stuck in Jamaica. You are one, uh, you know, Appleton rum <laughs> shot away from getting left in Jamaica. you got to be careful. Um Ocho Rios had a brief but memorable brush with pop culture during the filming of James Bond's, if you have any 007 fans out there. Dr. No in 1962. Uh, By the way, that was the first ever James Bond movie. So the first James Bond bursted onto the scene in Ocho Rios, one of our favorite cruise ports. Um, Also, uh, the infamous motion picture, the artistic uh, masterpiece, a historical top 50 movie of all time, Called Piranha Part Two: The Spawning. As I, I'm kidding around. You hear that? There's a train going the other way. Sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere. I'm somewhere, like I said. I think I'm in South Carolina by now. But you just keep moving, and they just pitch black for miles and miles outside the window. And then you'll just stop, and you'll be stopped in the dead of darkness for like 45 minutes. And then there'll be a train that flies by, and because you gotta, you know, it's train, train tracks. You know, it's how you gotta, you gotta. I guess you got to give people the right away. Certain people get the right away at certain times. So I'm sure now that that train just passed, if you heard it, we'll be moving again in a second. Um, all right. So first things first regarding Ocho Rios. Uh, let's See, let me go up here. I apologize. First things first, Uh, we talked about San Juan. You guys know there's a port profile about San Juan. What do we say about that? You just pop off the ship. You can walk around. You could do things right off the ship. You don't even have to have a plan. You could just kind of creep around the city on foot. You could rent a bike. You could rent a car. And even if you do not book an excursion or have any type of plan whatsoever, you can get off the ship and wander freely and happily around San Juan. Uh... You can't do that here. Don't do not do that in Ocho Rios, Jamaica. I'm gonna start out by giving just my overall thumbs up, thumbs down on the port. It's a double thumbs up. I love Ocho Rios, Jamaica, but there are some things that you have to take into account when you get here. You don't walk around the ship. You don't walk around the port. You don't walk around much at all. There's some places where you can as a whole I still don't recommend it. Right off the ship there's a coffee shop and uh, just like kind of like a staging area. You walk off the pier and you're standing, you know, there's a coffee shop, you can get some food. But then what you do is you're walking out and it clears open to a bunch of transportation vehicles. I don't know what the hell these things are, they're a disaster. They hold, they look like they hold, they look like they should hold about 15 people, but about 40 people getting into each one. There's fold out seats upon fold out seats. They stuff you in like sardines. The AC barely works. And this is just not a pleasurable experience. Uh, What they have though is what's pretty much just like a billboard and they have all the attractions that are listed that you'll see either whether you do your research on the cruise ship and you look at the excursions or you're looking on youtube top things to do in ocho rios and you'll just kind of make your decision either before that or if you don't know what you're doing that's still a good area where you can kind of try to decide you can like look around and see is you want to go to dun river falls do you want to go to the blue hole uh you know do you want to go to one of the beaches you want To go on a, you know, anything, Put a swim with the dolphins, you could do all that stuff and you could make your decision right there, however, the transportation part of it, I think they rape you a little bit on the, uh, you know, when you just get off the ship, which is on this particular sh- uh, 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 port, I would say do your research and book while you're on the ship, everything because you probably will have your tickets ready to go. There's no standing around, there's no waiting. If you book on the from the cruise line, you're in better shape. You know, I would say don't book on the cruise line or, or at least give yourself the opportunity or the freedom not to if you're in a city where you can kind of walk around or you can kind of like just kind of flow and it's built for you to do your own thing at. This is not. And the people, like I said, the transportation people, the people working at the particular attractions, they will tell you not walk around. I remember I was going, I was at... Um, the, what was it, Mystic Mountain, and I know for a fact, geographically, that Dunn River Falls was not far away, and I asked the guy, the Jamaican guy, the local, I said to him, hey, Dunn River Falls, is it walkable right here, he's like, distance-wise, yeah, you can walk it, but I'm telling you, don't walk it, so, I mean, I guess that's just, what, what I read from that, it was that it just wasn't safe, um, alright, so. Still, plenty of shops. If you if you walk past that and don't get into one of those cars, you can continue to walk and you can make a left. And yes, there are areas where you can gift shops and there's the, you know restaurants and stuff like that. It looks a little dicey. And if you make a left, the further you go to the left, the more dicey it gets. What you're dealing with. With this place is a lot of people that you don't like. Everything you hear about Jamaica regarding the people who harass you, they want to sell you this, they want to sell you that, they want to see if they could uh, get you to come to this or show up to that, and they're very aggressive. They're looking. You know, the one guy I remember looked me in the eye and he's like, uh, "Yo, that's uh, my mom's shop right there. You're not gonna not come to my mom's shop, right? You're gonna you're gonna show." And I'm just like, you know, you got to try that with somebody else because I'm not. no, I don't care about your mom's shop. I'm not going to it or unless I want to. Um, you can get yourself in some trouble over there, too. If you want to go, there was definitely some strip clubs, definitely some casinos, definitely some shady-looking nightclubs. If you're looking to get a little creepy, you can definitely do that. We were not. I was not. So we did not indulge in any of that stuff. You obviously, you know, you hear all the stories about being able to buy drugs, weed in particular. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a drug user in any stretch way shape or form so i don't know i i don't know if if it's trustworthy or not if you are a marijuana user which nowadays is the world in the country more particularly is getting much more liberal as far as rules and acceptance of people who use marijuana i don't i don't smoke weed so i can't tell you if it's good if it's real if it's dangerous if it's harmful all I can tell you is, and this may even be re- irresponsible to say, but a lot of people do it. I know a lot of people say it's no problem to get off the ship and go buy weed from somebody and have a great old time. Uh, that's all I can tell you. I recommend, I don't know, whatever, whatever due diligence you can do regarding that, whatever uh, research you could do. If somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, I would recommend doing all that because I don't know. You're going to get give somebody an illegal substance and you're going to do it. You know, you're risking yourself on multiple levels. I wouldn't recommend that. But, yeah, they do. They're up your ass. We were walking to the left, and I was just trying to get some headphones and maybe some, uh, you know, some airborne or some stuff just to bring back on the ship because I knew there was, like, a little bit of a downtown area, and I'm sure they had some. But the more you went left, the more it was just, like, they're really on you. Hey, man, follow me. Hey, follow me, man. They don't, they don't want to take no for an answer. They're used to, like, timid tourists that will just go with them. And we, we just weren't that, so we were just walking and they Yo, follow me, man and they kinda of, like told you, like, No dude, we're not we're good and then like after a while the same dude kept following us and he was being polite but really pushy. Finally I said to the guy, I'm like, dude, that's it. It's over. Forget it. Let's get in the cab, and let's go back to the cruise ship, this is what we hear about. They wanna harass you And then the guy's like, I'm not harassing you, man. I'm not harass and then he's like following me, telling me about how he's not harassing me and I just I'm not harassing you, I'm just so I turned around I was like, Dude, now you're harassing me about whether or not you're harassing me, walk away, leave me alone. You know what i am done; it's over. And he's like, just pissed off. And I'm getting in the cab, and I was like, you know what, this, this is not worth it. You know, so uh, that's what happens if you stay local. If you get off the ship and just try to walk around, you know, it's, I'm just, they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to do anything to you. But it's just a little annoying where you go out, where you go out there, and you have to say, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Oh, but try this. Not. It just gets. It's to me. It's I don't know. I would just your excursion know where you want to go and just go where you want to go um, you know it's all it is so what, what did I do I did not have us book an excursion I kind of took charge of Jamaica we all kind of when we cruise usually one of us will take charge of each island and I kind of looked at Jamaica and I really saw a lot of things that I wanted to do so I decided that you know what I'll take charge but what I saw was this everything seemed to be pretty close to what was this place called Mystic Mountain, and it looked like everything was there. So me being kind of like the, uh, um, I guess the skeptic about the cruise stuff, and you could see, you know, because you look on the uh, excursion list and it says you can book this with this, so you can have a two pack excursions with this, or a three pack excursion with that, or even a four. You know what I mean? Combos. I'm like, what that tells me is that you could just go there and do whatever the hell you want, and just pay as you go, à la carte, wherever. I was wrong, you know what I mean, you you, you do had a couple, like we went to uh, Mystic Mountain and there was this, um, what was it called, the Sky Ride Experience, is that what it was? Hold on, yeah, Mountain Sky Explorer, so uh, I figured we would just be able to find a bar, have some drinks, bounce around to these different places, and you know, if somebody wanted to do this, they do this, the other one stay at the bar, if somebody wanted to do that, they could do that, the other one stay at the bar. But uh, we didn't. So we have that we brought. They brought us to Mountain Sky Explorer. There were a bunch of different excursions you could package together. Um, these particular ones were the Sky Explorer and the Jamaican Bobsled Coaster. Uh, so we did that. We went up the Sky Ride, and to be honest with you, there was three of us, and we're all uh, above 220 pound men, and. Thing was terrifying. Granted, it's only a glorified ski lift, but I'm sorry, I don't ski, and quite frankly, I still am not into it. I don't know how you get. I don't know how even those people who ski uh, in the mountains. Uh, you're getting, you're sitting on what is a glorified park bench. You know what I mean? And it's got a bar across it. Great, but they take you, basically, getting lifted, airlifted, three, four, five, six hundred feet into the sky on a park bench that just has like a bar in front of it while we're just sitting there with our legs dangling. Um, How it happens is, all right, so you pay, you walk up, you got to stand on the, uh, you got to stand up. Well, first we, first there was, there was like bugs everywhere. It wasn't bad. I didn't think it was that bad. But I guess um, one of our guys was a little sensitive to it and he wanted to see if there was any bug spray funny story there was no bug spray but they had the wristbands and i wasn't familiar with the wristbands that are supposed to be bug repellents so he puts on the wristband that's supposed to be a bug repellent and i'm like that is that wristband on your wrist is going to keep the bugs off your entire body is that really what's going on so he says to the woman the jamaican woman is it really and he's right is this really going to do anything is this does this thing work am i the only moron buying this thing and we're all laughing at him and then she responds oh no sir no man you uh, may." There are many morons that buy. <laughs> so she was basically saying, "Yeah, you just dumped fifteen dollars down the drain for some voodoo freaking thing that's supposed to keep bugs off you." I'm saying that in a very ignorant, uh, from a very ignorant standpoint. The thing may work. I have no idea. Uh, you guys probably know. Yeah, I've used the wristband. It works fine. Shut the hell up. Maybe it does, but it just looked a little weird to me. So, so as soon as he got uh, all fitted for the wristband, we walked over to where he's supposed to catch the sky ride. They have outlines for feet, almost like chalk outlines standing on a rock, and the thing never stops moving. This park bench ski lifting. So, what you do is you put your feet <laughs> over the feet outline, and the thing scoops you in and just whips you off your feet and starts shooting you, you know, 300 feet up into the air. Uh, like I said, terrifying. Absolutely gorgeous, but terrifying. You're suspended in midair. Your legs are dangling, hundreds of feet. The wind's blowing, and the spiders, oh my gosh, you're, you're going straight up. And then you see these spider webs that you look like you're going to go right through, but you're not because once you get to it, you just don't do the math in your head and how high or low you are. And you see the spiders, and these spiders are the size of your hand. They just happen to be caught in a web, and you literally have to lift your, uh, you know, you have to lift your feet to make sure that, you don't. <laughs> You don't see the, uh, you don't you don't get hit with the spiders. Um, you get to the top. You got all the gift shops. You got a place to take pictures. There's actually they actually snap your picture on the sky ride. It's like a uh, you know one of the like the roller coasters. You're halfway up the mountain. They take a picture. You don't even realize it. And then when you get off the sky ride, they have the employers ready to sell you the picture. Um, up at the top, so they have a restaurant. They have the gift shop. They have uh, natives dressed up like uh, like almost Indian tribes or African tribes, and they have makeup and you know weapons and stuff like that, all just for you to you know take pictures with. And of course, you're free to leave a generous gratuity if you uh, if you see if you see fit. Uh, also at the top, you know, when you go into the restaurant area, they got jerk chicken. They have a water slide and an infinity pool overlooking the mountains. And you can see the cruise ship from up there. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight from up there. What I'll do is I'll uh, I'll do a YouTube video. Uh, it's not going to be too long because I didn't take a ton of pictures in Ocho Rios like I did in St. Martin. But since we're doing a port profile on um Ocho Rios. Uh, Within the next couple of days, I will be sure to make sure that there's at least a slideshow, uh, something to look at regarding the stuff that I'm talking about, uh, uh, in terms of Ocho Rios. So we're sitting up there, we you know sit down, we eat some jerk chicken. wasn't that good. It was it wasn't great. And then we signed up to do the uh, Jamaican bobsled. So uh, one of us didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it because. I don't know, one of us thought it was just a primitive piece of machinery, you're at the top of this mountain, it's totally controlled by gravity, and you're in this kind of bobsled looking thing, it's really fun though, it was cool, Uh, again like I said, gravity is the only thing, there's no motor to it, but you're going downhill, but you do have brakes, you have hand brakes to where you can slow it down, I was all over the brake, (laughs) unfortunately it wasn't that bad If I i do have it to do again i'm going back in october but uh i'm not going to use the brake as much i don't really feel like you do it was a fun ride it wasn't like a thrill ride a death ride i don't know maybe i'm speaking too soon you're talking about i'm talking i'm talking this from a standpoint of someone who rode the brake if i don't use the brake maybe you will be scared because i did watch some youtube videos on it and people were screaming for their lives but we will see uh and then when you're done, so basically if you're at the top of the mountain from the sky ride, you do the alpine bobsled, you end up at the bottom of the mountain again, and then it takes you back up the mountain. But getting back up the mountain is kind of cool because they they carved out this track in the mountain that's, I don't know what the degrees is, but it's almost vertical, and you're still sitting in the bobsled, and the track that you're on is fully enclosed so that you don't come off the rails because otherwise you probably would fall backwards off the mountain in reverse from, you know, just, just, just because of gravity. And it just brings you, brings you, it pulls you back up like motorized. It pulls you back up, um, and that's it. So that's Mystic Mountain. Nice restaurant up at the top. Some beautiful, beautiful views. Uh, if you're not scared of the sky lift, it's fine. I, I would do it again. I was a little scared. It's much, much easier. For whatever reason, it feels uh, less scary going down. I don't know why, but uh, all three of us were crapping our pants on this thing. Maybe because we knew how much weight was in the thing and we didn't trust it, but whatever whatever it was. Tons of stuff to do up at Mystic Mountain. You could spend a good four five no two three hours at the top of Mystic Mountain from eating, from shopping, to, uh, to interacting with people, to going into the infinity pool, to doing the water slide. You can probably do at least three four hours, I don't if you wanted to do Mystic Mountain. Uh, what you could also do is make your way over to Dunge River Falls. See, and that's what I said before. It's it's in the same area, but I like I said, I asked the guy if it was walking distance. He just said, don't do it. You know what I mean? He didn't say it wasn't walking distance because I know what it is. I have a map. So, I know it's not far, but he just said, you know, there was almost like a little bit of a... It wasn't even like a walkway. You're basically in wilderness. You know, where you are right now, you're on the coast, but you're pretty much from attraction to attraction, there's not really, you don't see a lot of people walking. Everybody's traveling around with a car. You know, there's not, it's, it's just destination spots only. There's no plaza you're walking around. There's no strip of bars or restaurants in this particular area. You're getting to where you're going and you're staying there pretty much. But Dunn River Falls, this looks like another death trap to be honest with you, but I guess it seems just fine. People do it all the time and people seem to not have a problem. When you're watching it, it ger- generally looks like a terrible idea. You start at the bottom. You're on a beach. It's a beautiful beach at the bottom. And what you're doing is you're working your way up a waterfall. So it's on a rock. So I don't know how high it is. I think it's like five 500 feet about, height in height. And you and, you know, anywhere from 20 to 200 of your closest cruise friends uh, are just walking up this waterfall on pure rock. With nothing but shower shoes on or or water shoes on, and the water is just coming in the opposite direction, and there's certain areas where, you know, you see people fall down, you see people trip, you see people being very, very careful, and then at some points of it where it gets really, really rough and really, really narrow you see everybody they'll they'll instruct you to form a human chain and you have to kind of each pull each other up i don't get it i don't know how these people get away with it. i don't know how nobody's hurt i don't know how they're not sued like crazy i guess it's just ironclad it just you know you can't they don't operate by the same rules and to me it's a little more refreshing if that looks like a bad idea if it looks like something you shouldn't do don't do it don't do it regret it and then sue about it just do, do what you're supposed to you know do you make your own decision you gotta roll the dice. That's what it is. Um, that's one thing I really can't wait to try. It. It pretty much is from all the research you'll do if you do any research on it the Dunn river falls is the crown jewel excursion if you go into to uh, ocho rios uh, when you get to the top if you make it to the top you could sunbathe you could, uh, they have natural springs it really looks amazing so you walk up all this and you know it's probably hot it's probably sweaty you're in the rainforest but it is refreshing too you're getting hit with the springs and then you get to the top there's a lot of people up there but they have like natural whirlpools and natural like little swimming holes and stuff like that um from there, you can make your way to what is called the Blue Hole, uh, and that's another area where there's, you know, you could just do general swimming, or you can cliff jump or cliff dive off natural rocks into the water at various heights. There's also a rope swing there if you want to do that. Really looks amazing, and I absolutely want to do that next time, too. So I really enjoyed the uh, Mystic Mountain sky ride and uh, roller coaster thing, but i I don't know. I probably would make sure I did not miss Dunn River Falls the next time I went. Um, Also comboed up with Dunn River and the Blue Hole is whitewater rafting or tubing. Again, I wasn't over by that side of the mountain, but I got a lot of stories, and the research I've done told me that all of those three things are stuff you can do together. So they have a, uh, you know, in the whitewater rafting or tubing, it's not like holy crap like Colorado or whatever you see on TV where they're like, you know, hardcore trying to brave the rapids and fight for their lives and noticing that it looks fun it almost looks like a lazy river more of a lazy river than rapids but then you do see some dicey areas where people are you know fighting the currents and getting bounced around a little bit it's definitely more uh it's a little less lazy than your average lazy river so that's definitely on my list as well to be able to sit in a tube and get a little bit of a thrill but not too much of a thrill and just chill as the you let the current of uh, Dun's River just take you across. Uh, there's also the Bob Marley Bus Tour. Uh, this is very, very, very uh, highly, highly regarded tour. Very scenic, very well guided. Plenty of shops, plenty of stops where you can get out, look around, buy some stuff. Again, I'm sure there's no shortage of areas where you can... Uh, Purchase some greenery for yourself, and probably indulge in it while you're on the bus as well. I'm not saying I know that, but it seems like it. It seems like the guys giving the tour were in that type of condition anyway. You're talking about a lifestyle, guys. The Rastafarians. That's just how they do it. You know, you know. They don't look at it as like uh, they look at it as like a sugar rush. You know, they they don't see anything wrong with it. It's not a harmful thing to them. It's a very natural thing to them. And again, this is Jamaica. You're not operating by, by the American rules. So you got to, you know, enjoy, enjoy it. Like I said, drink from the cup of life if you want to, but proceed with caution. Uh, do your due diligence. Be aware of your surroundings. And ideally, use the buddy system. Uh, along the way, you'll see live performances by native street musicians all over the place. Uh, they'll play songs, familiar songs that you've heard, a lot of the reggae that you've heard, most notably from You Know Who, Bob Marley. Um, it feels a little bit more special when you're listening to songs you think you know. You know what I mean? You never heard them performed where they actually come from. You know what I'm saying? You could We could all listen to uh, a reggae song from Bob Marley. But if you hear it in Jamaica, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know what? Oh, you get it a little bit more. I kind of feel like it might just be the weed or it might just be the booze. But... I don't know. That's just kind of like how I feel. Like when I'm in St. Thomas and we're doing that mountaintop tour and they just start playing the reggae and you're looking around and you're seeing the palm trees and you're seeing, you know, the, the, the island culture and you're listening to those island beats. You feel that it gives you a little bit more of a vibe, a little more authentic. I don't, I don't slip into a thing where I think I'm j- Jamaican or, or from the islands, but it's just a cool experience to kind of go through. Um, you'll see his. Uh, you'll see the Bob Marley mausoleum. Uh, you'll interact with some real Rastafarians. You'll get some real history on what the lifestyle was like and how it was about peace and how it was about you know aside from the whole marijuana thing, just really taking care of your body, being athletic, and just you know no no uh, just 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 peace. I- again, it's not my thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Just trying to promote the lifestyle. But I'm just saying what it was. And, you know, again, we talk about cruising a lot. And we talk about how it's mostly for people who really just want to get away and shut down. Every once in a while, you do come across a real cultural experience with it. And this is one of those opportunities. You go to uh, Ocho Rios, Jamaica. And you can take the Bob Marley bus tour. And you can really get a good, good feeling of being immersed in the Jamaican The Rastafarian culture, and I totally recommend it. Um, All right, so let's talk about some beaches. Alright, so Ocho Rios Jamaica beaches are nestled on the north shores of Jamaica. They're part of the reason Ocho Rios went from a sleepy fishing town into a vacation paradise. You'd expect from Jamaica beaches, these are a delightful mix of swaying palm trees, plenty of warm turquoise water, plenty of soft white sand. A lot of the beaches are quiet and secluded, but you do have some options, you know, in certain different places to where you can do water sports, other adventures. Even if you do have a little bit, not that we do, so much on the cruising side of it, But if you do get to spend some time when the sun goes down, there is some reggae music, there's some fish fries, there's some lobster bakes, there's, uh, uh, like I said, just reggae music and bonfires. Really, really cool experience late at night on some of these beaches as well. So let's get into just a couple of them, starting with a place called Mahogany Beach. This is a quiet and off-the-beaten-path beach. Uh, It's easy to find. It's located near the east side, the Rios. it's kind of just off the main strip. Uh, you don't have to worry about a cover charge, there's no admission, uh, there's no large crowds at Mahogany Beach, you can swim comfortably, especially enjoy this beach when the water is nice and calm. What you want to do is after you've gone for a dip or a stroll in the sand, you can visit one of the local restaurants that are located right on the beach. There's not a lot of them, maybe two or three that are right on or near the beach, maybe a snack bar. Um, and then you're also, um, no more than a couple of miles away from a a ton of restaurants. So plenty, plenty to do. Mahogany Beach, just keep that in mind. If you want to stay kind of, uh, you know, close, easy to find, very secluded, calm, and you're just looking to shut down, Mahogany Beach is the place for you. You also have Reggae Beach. Reggae Beach is close to the, uh, cruise ship terminal. So if you don't want to walk too far off the ship, you go right to Reggae Beach, uh, it's sort of like, uh, they say it's like, no way, you, you don't really feel like you're near the cruise ship. But even though it's not far geographically, you feel like you're in another world. It's also a quiet stretch of, uh, you know, quiet quiet stretch of sand. Uh, perfect example of an Ocho Rios Jamaica Beach. It's well shaded. Uh, they have towering palm trees, almond trees the list of things to do isn't long, it's not like you're going to be running around like a nut job on this beach, but again, if you really want to shut down, you want to swim a little bit, you want to lounge in the sun, and you want to get back on the ship nice and refreshed, this is the place for you. It's also home to a nice bar, excellent beach views from the bar, uh, along with a a single restaurant over there and they got some really good jerk chicken and fresh catch of the day. See that's where I want to go, that restaurant, bar on Reggae Beach. That's the one, I don't even know what the hell it's called, but uh, that's the one I rather wish I went to than eating at the top of Mystic Mountain. Mystic Mountain was cool. I could tell that it was definitely a bit of a tourist trap. I could tell it was probably not the most authentic. I'll be honest with you, we all kind of agreed. You know, the cruise lines, sometimes they tailor what they're going to serve based on what port you're in at the buffet. The jerk chicken on the ship when we got back was better than the jerk chicken we had. I wish I went to Reggae Beach and I had some off the beach. It's like a Jack Shack. Ever have the jerk chicken at Jack Shack in Grand Turk? So much better than Margarita Vaux. I think this is probably a similar situation. Alright, moving on. There's another place called Mallard's Beach. This is one of the busier beaches in Ocho Rios. Mallage beach is right in the center of the action. It's close to some of the best resorts. If you happen to be flying into Jamaica, more particularly uh, Montego Bay, and you want to stay in the Ocho Rios area, this is where you're going to end up. It's probably more busy too. If you're looking for seclusion, if you're looking for shutdown, definitely try one of the other two above. But if you are looking for some action, this is really the beach that I would want to go to because, I, like I said, I always say I get bored at the beach a little bit if there's not some stuff to do. But here, you got your your jet skiing, you have your water sports, you have your, uh, you know, your snorkeling, you have your, um, you know, your, your parasailing, uh, all the stuff you might want to do at a beach where there's some action. There's definitely some reggae music. Oh, also by the way, I said this is a more busy beach, but that's locals too. Locals come here because they know there's going to be some music, there's good food. Uh, if you want to be at a place where locals and tourists interact, Mallard Beach is definitely the place to be. Uh, there are lifeguards on duty, there is a cover charge or usually there is a cover charge on Mallard's Beach like eight or nine dollars but again if that's what you're looking to do if you want to have a nice little beach let's just call it a beach party and forget about if the sun goes down you're really going to get a chance to have a good time get after a little bit there's bonfires there's lobster bakes there's uh you know fish fries all stuff, tons of stuff if you're looking for the energy reggae bands energy is where it's at when it comes to mallard's beach and like i said you're basically right in the shadow of all the newer resorts and the land destination type places so that's where you're going to end up mallard's beach great time there is uh the front of the final beach we're going to talk about today is called james bond beach i get the feeling that it wasn't always called james bond beach uh you guys know about james bond the fictional spy uh 007 she has a deep connection the northern coast of jamaica uh, ian fleming's the guy who created he wrote many of the novels while staying on the island the beach on the eastern end of ocho Rios is a great place to enjoy the sand and the surf this is a spectacular place man it's just 20 minutes outside of downtown again 20 minutes is 20 minutes but at the same time if you're trying to catch a cruise ship 20 minutes is 20 minutes so make sure that you have a plan and a backup plan if you want to do some exploring if you want to see a side of the uh ocho rios area that has some immersion into pop culture and you're a james bond fan then you want to check out where not only a lot of the stuff was written but where the first ever james bond movie was filmed you know, if you're if you're into it, you know it's Doctor No. Uh, you can check out uh, James Bond Beach. Uh, they have that famous scene where uh, the voluptuous Ursula Andres emerges from the sea in that white bikini. Uh, you know, just the iconic, iconic scene from Doctor No uh, that was filmed right here, uh, Ocho Rios. So uh, again, it's secluded it's got a little bit more in terms of history value or you know cultural pop culture to be specific but again it is 20 minutes 20 minutes away that's about it guys uh, i just wanted to give you a little bit of a uh, you know backstory on ocho rios by the way there's tons of other stuff you could do here i was just wanted to deep dive into some of the stuff that is more of the specific things to ocho rios of course you have your run-of-the-mill stuff i don't mean to call it run-of-the-mill but if you want to swim with the dolphins, you could swim with the dolphins. If you want to book a beach horseback riding excursion, you could do that as well. If you want to do ATVs, you could do that. You want to do a fishing trip, you could do that. I recommend, again, I don't always say this, guys, but I do say it for this particular port. Go with the cruise line on this. And if you don't go with the cruise line, go to shoreexcursionsgroup.com uh, or go with uh, resortforaday.com. It's great. You know, you, you Ocho Rios, uh, you know, guys know I'm an Eastern Caribbean fan, and I keep saying a lot of these ports are my favorite, but Ocho Rios really, really is because, again, as cruisers, we don't get a ton of time, and it's a knock on us to be able to enjoy some culture and enjoy some history, uh, and this is one of those uh, ports that offers that to you. so. To me, yeah, you know what? Take advantage. You know, you got tons of places to to, to just dine, tons of places to drink, tons of places close to the cruise ship to just get a beach day. But more importantly, there's all these other adventures you could do. So uh, don't forget, Riptism.com. 35 minutes a day, $29 total for 60 days. In 60 days, you will absolutely achieve maximum fitness you will be ripped uh check it out rippedism.com as well as myself please follow me on instagram and stitcher and itunes i really really appreciate the reviews uh more importantly, subscribe, more importantly, listen, and please tell your friend about it. Thank you so much for listening. I apologize if this was a little bit of a uh, shoddy broadcast, different audio, anything different about it. I am, like I said, moving at about 120 miles uh, an hour down the eastern seaboard, and I wanted to make sure that I was able to bring some equipment and uh, get you guys a podcast so you can get your cruise fix in, get your booked fix in for the week. I know I held back on you. We didn't get it to yesterday, but we got you today. Thanks again so much for listening. We will talk to you next time.